Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. We have a lot to get to on this show, which includes a lengthy discussion with our colleague Chris Baldwin of The War Room, which we recorded on Sunday, March 28th. First up, our discussion of Dillian White's fourth round stoppage of Alexander Povetkin in the heavyweight fight on Saturday and what this means for White and Povetkin and the heavyweight division. We also discuss the issues of racism and white supremacy in wrestling, including the negative reaction of some in the wrestling community to the celebration of the victory of five African-American wrestlers of the 10 national champions on the 2021 NCAA. CAA Division I Wrestling Championships, which were held March 18th to the 20th. We also discuss racism and white supremacy in baseball. Many people in baseball are raising the issue that the 2021 All-Star Game is scheduled to take place July 13th in Atlanta, Georgia. But as a lot of us know, the state of Georgia has just passed new voting regulations, which many of us consider racist and a thinly disguised revival of Jim Crow era voter suppression. Now a lot of people have raised the question, should the All-Star Game be moved out of Atlanta. We also discuss a very terrible injury that took place during the March Grand Sumo Tournament in Tokyo, which just ended. A wrestler in one of the lower divisions named Hibikiru lost his match, was thrown to the ground, and he landed on his head, lying there motionless for several minutes before anybody attended to him. This is something which many people in the sumo community are shocked by, and we discussed health and safety in Japanese professional sumo, and also what those involved in amateur sumo in the U.S. and elsewhere can learn from this situation. But before we get to all that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com. The home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double-End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double-End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world, welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. 
All right, folks, welcome to the War Room. We are back in the War Room with Eddie Goldman, award-winning sports writer, journalist, the sage of combat sports, Mr. Eddie Goldman. Welcome back to the War Room, brother. How you doing? What's happening? A lot going on in the world of combat sports. Not all of it very oh, good. Yeah, you, put out, you checked out the, the heavyweight fight this weekend, right? Yeah, Dillian White got revenge, so to speak, over Alexander Povetkin. People may remember they fought last year. White was actually winning the fight. He scored two knockdowns in the first fight in the fourth round. Povetkin survived, and White was trying to go in for the kill, and he got caught by a picture-perfect, beautiful uppercut by Povetkin that knocked him out. This fight was completely different. Right from the beginning, people even noticed during the ring walk that Povetkin looked off. And he was hit in the first round with a couple of punches that were grazing punches, not real heavy punches. And he almost went down from those. And you got to look at what happened since they first fought in August. They were supposed to have a rematch in November but it was postponed because Povetkin got hospitalized with COVID-19. So they rescheduled that for January, but it had to be postponed again, and there were all sorts of reports about him being hospitalized maybe twice. And this disease, as a lot of people know, even when you test negative for the virus, has all sorts of after effects. It could upset your balance, your strength, your heart, all sorts of different things. So they said Povetkin lost a lot of weight while he was sick, but he came in for this fight heavier than he did for the first fight, and the extra weight looked to be around his middle. So in any case, this fight was completely one-sided. It was stopped in the fourth round after a knockdown correctly by the referee, and just as Povetkin's corner threw in the towel. And there were there was something really remarkable happened after this fight was over in the ring that Povetkin was standing in his corner, and I don't know why the corner didn't sit him down or the medic, whatever, medical people there. This is in Gibraltar. Why they didn't do that. So White goes into his own corner, takes his own stool, and brings it over and puts it in Povetkin's corner for him to sit down. It was really something to see because White is, you know, not exactly a touchy-feely kind of guy. He's a tough guy. He's a top heavyweight. And for him to do that was, re- was really something. I, I really like that. But Povetkin looked awful. He had a fight before where he got a draw with a much smaller and much less accomplished fighter of Michael Hunter. And then he got the, the one-punch knockout against White, and then he looked terrible in this fight. The guy's had a, an excellent career. He was a 2004 Olympic gold medalist at super heavyweight because in Olympic boxing they have heavyweight and they changed a couple of times the weight class, but it's been around 200, 201. He fought at super heavyweight, and he had held the WBA belt before. Now he had this interim WBC belt. He's had quite a career, and the only people that had beaten him before were greats Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua, and he rocked Joshua early in that fight a couple of years ago. He looked awful in this fight. He's 41 years old. A lot of people think now's the time for him to retire. Retire, so, retire. Yeah. Let's see. And and he, for, looked, he did look awful. His, I mean, everything. His punches were slow. His balance was off. You get grazed by a punch, you fall into the ropes. I mean, it. it, it and it probably is because of the post the long COVID having a different effect, I'm sure. Right. If you add all these things together, that he's obviously been fading over the couple of years, 
with age, now he has had to deal with the the recovery from COVID-19. He's 41. He's had a long, he's been fighting for a long time. Now's, now's the time to retire before you really get hurt in there. And you just be, you know, you could see somebody bringing him in as an opponent, the former world champion, Olympic gold medalist, to get beaten up by some younger guy. You, you don't want to do that. I, I hope he's well off enough that he can retire and move on. But, you know, it's boxing, so we have all these guys who've been retired <laughs> coming back for these these exactly. celebrity right. spectacle fights. Oscar De La Hoya. Well, the, you know, Mike yeah, I Tyson, know, I Roy Jones. He's, coming, he's working out. Yeah. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. But for White, it gives him not just a measure of of revenge for the first fight, but it puts him back in the heavyweight title mix. Because there's still no date or venue for the highly anticipated... Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight. They've been talking about this for months now. We don't know if it's actually going to happen because they want to do it in front of a very large crowd, such as 80 and 90,000 people that you would get uh, in the UK. And they can't do that with obviously all the shutdowns with the coronavirus. And in many parts of the world, the, the number of cases of COVID-19 are either plateauing or going back up, and lockdowns are being reinstituted. Even in the UK, they're loosening up this coming week some of the lockdown rules, but it's plateauing there. And in Germany and France, they're having new lockdowns, and, and in other countries, and then in much of Africa, the vaccine isn't even available none of the vaccines are only in short supply you have all these all these situations developing so when you will be able to reopen and have huge crowds like you used to we don't know and as dr anthony fauci said when you have a situation like this when it even with the vaccine rollout as it is and still the number of cases plateaus that could indicate we're going to see a surge among the people that are not vaccinated. And there's right, even exactly. a question. People think this pandemic is over. Oh, no. I've been vaccinated twice. I got the vaccine. But first of all, they say it's 94, 95% effective, which is great. But that leaves a, a lot of people still could get sick from it. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're yeah. studying, even if. If you get the virus, even if the vaccine protects you, can you transmit it to somebody else, even if you're asymptomatic? Yes, you and they're, they're stu- yes, they're, yeah. Well, that's they're studying that. So the sci- they're finding out how prevalent is that going to be. So there's a ways to go in this. So I'm not sure whether they're going to have a Joshua uh, Fury fight this year. Whether they, whether they can get the money they want from one of these monarchies in the Middle East or from some other country that's willing just to use it as a, a, a propaganda event to show how wonderful and modern they are. So even John Fury, Tyson's father, said this isn't happening. And they want to get Tyson Fury back in the ring. He hasn't fought since he knocked out Wilder in February uh, of last year, 2020. And so, if they don't go ahead soon with a venue for Fury and Joshua, certainly Fury's going to want to have another fight. They say he wants to fight twice this year. Maybe by the end of the year, they could do the big fight in a, in a U.K. stadium before it gets too cold. But if, if they don't fight, that means that Joshua and Fury, sometime in the middle of this year, will have another fight with somebody. So now Dillian White looked like he came out unscathed in this fight. He might have a shot at one of you know getting one of these guys, one of these 
one of, to fight for one of these titles. Right. And there's Wilder. Right. Who knows what's going to happen with him physically and mentally. You have Andy Ruiz, who lost a lot of weight, has like a gimme comeback fight with Chris Ariola that's disgracefully being put on pay-per-view as a, a showcase Andy's fight. I cannot believe California State Athletic Commission. Where is this fight happening? Did did Andy approve this? Probably. I'll look. I'll I'll look it up. I'm. I'll I'll look that fight up right now. I think it's. An, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty awful that they're having a fight like that, and we'll see whether losing weight for Andy Ruiz, how much of a difference does it actually make? Let's see. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Why is there no uh, super heavyweight division? Because I don't. I, I mean, if a if a guy like I manage smaller heavyweights, you know, my my guy the most he ever weighed was two twenty five, but he he has to fight dudes that are like two fifty or people like you know who are. Why is that? Why do they? Allow it's that? always been. It's always been unlimited. In boxing, remember the guys in the days of Jack Dempsey and even Marciano. Limited in the lower divisions. Why is that? I'm saying. Yeah, but they. But look, the the original weight classes had light heavyweight at 175, and everything over 175 was heavyweight. So if you look at the weights of a lot of the old time guys, it's like 185, 190. Some guys in the lower 200s. Even Ali was in the lower 200s. It's only been recently that, and, and if somebody was really bigger, is that they were fat and out of shape. Now you're getting these guys 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, that are in great shape that are coming in 240, 250, 260, 270. So there's been talk about that. The WBC is trying to have another weight class. I think, I think it's like 224, 225, something something like that. But that if they had had that years ago, Ali, Fraser, all, all these great fighters wouldn't have been heavyweights. And it's a marketing thing because the heavyweight champion of the world, that is, used to be anyway, the biggest uh, title in sports. The most prestigious individual title in sports. It may not be that anymore, but it still means something. When the when if you have an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, and now with a zillion different sanctioning body, so the WBC is calling this other division the Bridgerweight Champion. Who even knows what that means? It just doesn't have the same ring to it. So I think that's that's one of the reasons that they're doing it. And I wonder how many fighters that there are in the heavyweight division are these huge he's absolutely huge guys not too many of them by the way the Ruiz Ariola fight is in California it's in Carson California the Dignity Health Sports Park Andy Foster he should he should like you know somebody should call him out for also letting that fight be approved I don't know why he approved that money they get a cut of it, and obviously... I wonder if Ariella had to do a, a come back and do a, a physical. Yeah, they'll do a physical. No, I meant like the boxer's physical, like where they, they make the older people go, go through a whole rigmarole. It's a whole... <laughs> yeah, there's the old joke that if they can, uh, if they can uh, steam up a mirror on their own, <laughs> with their own breath, they're, they're good to go. Are you breathing, Chris? Are you breathing? Yeah, all right. Uh, Dr. Gluckman approves you. Here you go. Yeah. it's And, and putting this on I pay-per-view is absolutely absurd and cynical. And it just shows how bad the, the PBC is. Is like they're, they're playing Fox. And I think the Fox executives are not that dumb. And they realize they're being sold a bill of goods. And I don't see this this lasting that much longer if this is the direction they continue to go in because this pay-per-view is going to draw next to nothing. But what it will mean unless he completely screws up again 
is that Andy Ruiz will be back in the public's view and back in the title mix. So now you have our Fury, Joshua, Dillian White, Andy Ruiz, Deontay Wilder, all at some point in the middle of the year needing fights. And if it's not even a Fury and Joshua do fight in the middle of the year, because the, the UK expects to have the vaccine available or every adult vaccinated by July. And I think they're trying to stretch this out so that they could have the fight in Wembley or someplace with 80, 90, 100,000 people. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I doubt it. So you have these five name heavyweights all needing a fight, and you can mix and match any combination of them, which would be a major fight. Or or they could have Wilder do a comeback fight against, you know, somebody on the level of Areola, you know, an, an easy fight, whatever. So they have it's. it's Why well, can't, can't Wilder and Ruiz fight? There, there's talk of that. Dillian White officially holds the interim WBC title because of you know boxing's preposterous politics. He wants Deontay Wilder. I think he figures he's ripe for the taking. So the point is, you could mix and match any of these, any of these names that you have out right. there. And you have like a year or two uh, worth of fights, so uh, that 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 puts that's obviously puts uh, Dillian White back in the the mix for having one of these big fights. But I don't. But also, White is still and probably always will be very sloppy. He looked sloppy in this fight against somebody that. You know, was not doing very well, and then of course there's the the fighter in the heavyweight division that nobody will look good against is Usyk coming up from cruiserweight, and I don't know that he could bring his his power with him. Right. But he's due with the sanctioning bodies another shot somewhere along the way, and Joseph Parker wants to get back in the mix, and there were all these other guys. There's Joe Joyce who looked very good against Daniel Dubois, who is not that young. He's 35, but he's up and coming because he's only been fighting professional, professionally for a couple of years. And there's Tony Yoka, who beat him controversially in the Olympics, who's 10-0. and 0. He's 28 years old. There are a lot of fights that could be made with, with named fighters. And Dillian White's back in the mix. So that's what this fight sort of by default produced. Not that it made Dillian White look like so much of a world beater. Yeah, he still looks like a kickboxer to me. He fights like a kickboxer. Yeah, because he used to do that. Yeah, he's a K-1 fighter. Right, but he's a big, strong guy. He's colorful. I'm sorry, go ahead. He's a big, strong guy. He's a colorful guy. He's a big talker. So he, he, you know, he markets, he markets the fight. So when he's involved in something and he, and he gets wild. So he gets knocked down a lot too, even in fights that he wins. So his fights are usually entertaining. Absolutely. All right. Let's touch base. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, there's a little bit of controversy about the NCAA uh, championship wrestling that happened we talked about last week and I really didn't uh, Jordan Burroughs are just now uh, checking out his thread yeah. and I didn't realize that there was so much hate on media about them celebrating five wrestlers I mean out of the 39 wrestlers 330 <coughs> wrestlers they say 39 of them were black, and then that's like 12%, he says, of African-American participation in the sport, period. 
And then five of the champions, five out of the 10 champions are black and people are hating on that. What is wrong with America? And I say America with three Ks. I spell that with three Ks. The, one of the big problems, I talked about this in my Patreon article, is that there's a real white supremacist culture in American wrestling. Of the year, you had five wrestlers, a couple of whom were were underdogs, were not ranked number one. Aaron Brooks, I think, was ranked number one, but David Carr wasn't. Roman Bravo Young uh, wasn't. Carter Starachi wasn't. Um, Gable Stevenson was. Everybody expected him to win. So they posed after the event. They posed for pictures all together, and they're holding up their hands, showing five and celebrating together, and these guys have known each other. Three of them, of course, are are Penn State teammates, and they all got together to celebrate, which is something that wrestling could say, see, more young African-Americans should wrestle because, you know, only a very small, tiny percentage are going to get to even wrestle in Division One, let alone become a national champion, but people could look up to them no matter how good they are. And the, the white supremacists were, why are you singling out? I don't see color, all the kind of racist nonsense that's talked about. And not one of these people would say, how many of their coaches of these five wrestlers or of any of the finalists, of any of the 20 wrestlers who were the finalists, came in first and second, were African-American? The number's a big zero. It's a goose egg. You have 70-something, and the number varies. I never. It's in the mid, mid to high 70s, and a couple of programs are getting cut, like Stanford and, and one or two others. There are only three African-American coach, head coaches in NCAA Division I wrestling, and zero from these finalists. And yet, if you look at African-American coaches who have a tremendous record when they've been allowed to coach, Bobby Douglas is one example. The only NCAA Division I team in the western part of the United States to win a team championship was Arizona State when Bobby Douglas was coaching. Most likely, the best college wrestler of all time was Cale Sanderson, who's now coaching at himself at Penn State. 159-0, four NCAA titles, his head coach, Bobby Douglas. And there have been others that have done very well and have brought many other national champions to the fore. They made a lot about David Carr of Iowa State. His father, who was in the stands, Nate Carr, uh, was was a champion a couple of times, also at Iowa State, and had a, an excellent career internationally. There are all these different stories that came out of this, and Burroughs is arguably the best current freestyle wrestler in the United States. There's a lot of people respect him. There's so many different stories to inspire kids that will view wrestling as a white sport, and these people want to dampen it down. I believe the last time I checked in USA Wrestling also has a lot of coaches in, in Freestyle and Greco which are the two styles that are used in international wrestling only had one black coach Kevin Jackson who used to be the coach at Iowa State. So why not, why not grow this sport? This is Jordan's point. We want to grow wrestling. How are you going to grow wrestling? You're going to bring in more people, and then you're going to bring in communities that aren't involved in wrestling. But you don't see major college programs, successful college programs, in the cities which have large black populations. New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Chicago. You, in some of these cities, you do have programs, but a lot of them are more based in the white suburbs. You don't see them in, in Dallas, and Houston. You could go through so many of these, these different cities. So if you want to grow wrestling, a lot of these places used to have wrestling. 
UCLA used to have a wrestling team. City College of New York used to have a wrestling team, and on and on and on. And as the sport continues to become marginalized, you have to look at doing things differently. Even no, not even talking from the point of doing something right in opposing white supremacy. It's something that's self-destructive. Which, in in general, a lot of people don't understand that that the system of white supremacy is destructive for the majority of white people even. And this is something that's important to, for wrestling to grow. And instead you have people saying, don't bring this up, don't, you know, all this sort of stuff. And not listening to what the black wrestlers are saying. But this is like an old, this has been going on for a long, long period of time. I remember a number of years ago when I was going to these events all the time and hanging out with a lot more of the people in wrestling. And I'm not going to mention the name of the person, but having lunch with, at that time, a very famous uh, coach and former Olympian, someone very well respected in wrestling. And we're just talking, and he said, Eddie, you, you live in New York. I said, yeah. I says, how can you live there with all those black people? Just like that. Damn. You know. So that that's the attitude that's in wrestling. You look at who's the executives in USA Wrestling, who's who's running these sports. It's just it's utterly despicable, and it's a battle that can have to go on outside wrestling. It's it's a bigger battle than what you just see in wrestling. And you could look at look at the comments on I saw the Twitter and Instagram feeds for Jordan Burroughs where he basically posted the same thing. Just look at the comments and they just, even the ones that say they agree with them have no clue about the system of white supremacy in the United States. And these are people, we're talking about college wrestling. So a lot of these people are college educated. So what kind of education are they getting at the colleges if they don't have the first clue about the system in the history of white supremacy. Well, I think I think people need to be educated on that, Eddie. You should do a, a Q. You should do a panel. There was there were All panels on it in in two thousand eight at the NCAA championships. Oh, about today, do, you know, reach out to people like Jordan Burroughs and, and put him on a, a Zoom panel. They've done it. They've done it. Even USA Wrestling has done it. The Black Wrestling Association has done it. You're talking to the wall when you're dealing with these hardcore white supremacists. It's something that's been going on for years. In in 2008 at the NCAA championships, which were also in St. Louis and the same building, the building's name has changed a million times because of all that naming rights stuff. Between sessions, they had a special event honoring black wrestlers. They brought in Simon Roberts, who was the first black NCAA champion from Iowa. They had Bobby Douglas up there. They had a number of other people up there. And and they had a whole, and a whole crowd of people sitting outside. A whole discussion went on about this. So what was the change that went on? Is that now we you know have... We have the same white supremacy in there, the same Trumpism, the same type of same type of disgusting racism that you have in the sport, even when the officials give give lip service to it. So, uh, you know, I can only fight I can only fight so many battles at once. And I understand that. You know, it's why I put more attention. Honestly, in terms of wrestling, because wrestling has always been my number one of all the combat sports. That's why I put more attention into seeing if sumo in America can be revived. Because you just have a very different attitude among the people. It's much smaller, obviously, but you have a much more open attitude among the people involved in sumo in the United States, you have a much more diverse group involved in it. 
in the United in the United States, and of course there's a there's an international scene. This is just talking about amateur sumo. And I've talked with a lot of these people. I've had a number of them on Knowles Bar. I've looked at what they're doing. I just see more potential there if, you know, there are a lot of ifs involved in it. But I don't see that as the same type of problem that you have in college wrestling in the United States or on the international styles like freestyle and Greco in the United States. Different. So we'll see what happens with that. That's not a lost cause. (laughs) Well, it's a lost cause if they don't get their marketing program together. Because I think for any sport to succeed in America, you're going to have to put some money into marketing. And don't they don't listen. This, this look, there there were meetings, there were seminars, there was all this stuff about marketing wrestling. There were marketing people said to every coach, you have to be viewed like as the CEO of your program. They're they're involved in colleges. They could, I've said this to colleges and high school coaches for years. You have kids in your school. Well, maybe they're not going to be the next Gable Stevenson or Spencer Lee or Kale Sanderson or whatever. Maybe they're not even primarily interested in wrestling, but they want to build up a resume for their future work. So get them involved in social media and give them a big title. You're the social media manager of the the pro, you know, the the program that they could put on their resume. So when they go out and get a job. They have a title and experience and references when people want to know who they are and some work to show for it. Uh, yeah, whatever. It, do, it doesn't get done. You're talking to a wall with people. <laughs> oh, well, that's why the sport will die because you have to have people that are going to carry the, carry the mission of the sport forward. Yeah, and, and look what happened again in this NCAA uh, finals. You had Jane Griffith of Stanford, an upset, an eighth seed, win a national title. In the quarterfinals, he beat Alex Marinelli, who was number one seed of Iowa, which won the team championship, and expected to win a national title. And he knocked him off, and then he won in the finals, and he may be the last Stanford wrestler. We've discussed this before, because Stanford is getting rid of a whole bunch of sports. Because I think they want to get rid of sports in general, but just keep the the money-making sports of uh, football and basketball. So wrestling is done, even though on live and in color on ESPN, their wrestler pulled an upset and won a national championship and brought to the national attention the movement to keep Stanford wrestling. Did that make the bureaucrats budge? So far, no, even though they've raised a lot of money to self-endow the program. It's, it's, it's too late. This has happened for years. Wrestling has lost the majority of its Division One programs. They've made one stu- stupid error after another. And I can only give it so much time. Well... You're you're almost like the wrestling historian to me, Eddie. There are a lot but, better wrestling uh, historians that that know a lot of this history and have fought for years uh, about marketing and promotion of the sport. Since I've been involved as as a media person for thirty years in the sport of wrestling, and it gets worse all the time. They don't listen. The people running. And if it. listeners, are, and if you're listening to this. Wrestling is the world's oldest sport. Mm-hmm. 2,000 plus some years old. Oh, much older than. As an organized sport, it's at least four or 5,000 years old. And as an activity, wow. it predates. It is an activity, of course, it even predates human existence. You'll see in the animal kingdom sort of friendly and sometimes unfriendly wrestling going on. You'll see kids doing it, and they don't know takedowns or pins. It's just right. rolling around. 
it's it's a human activity. But as an organized sport, you could look at the uh, people done this for a long time. The the uh, tombs of what we today call Beni Hassan in ancient Egypt, where a lot of the moves that they use today in wrestling and in other martial arts too, are on the, the cave drawings there. You could just Google that and find it. There are some pretty incredible pictures that have survived uh, since, since those have been since those have been opened up. Wow, that's fascinating. Let's talk about uh, the 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 uh, the injury at the sumo tournament that happened where the young man who uh, I think he sustained a neck injury. Yeah, I've, look, I've been trying to dig for information, and it's been like an almost media blackout that's gone on in Japan because it made inquiries in Japan. And they just completed the March Basho, the, the tournament. And the main attention was on the top division, the Makauchi division, which has the, the top-rated wrestlers, but they have several other divisions that get less attention. Some of them are up-and-coming wrestlers, and some of them aren't paid, and obviously the fans aren't as interested in that. So in one of the lower divisions, it was a match involving a wrestler named Hibikiru, and his opponent uh, threw him down to the ground, to the clay, and he hit his head and he landed head first. And then he's lying there motionless. And at the end of the match, there's a little ceremony that they do with the winner. And they hesitated. They did that little ceremony anyway. Well, the guy's still lying in the ring, motionless, face down. Oh, my God. That's awful. This went on for several minutes. And you see these officials and the people standing around, walking around like nothing happened. And this guy is lying there. And for several minutes, he's lying there. And apparently he was conscious or semi-conscious. But finally they brought in a stretcher and took him to the hospital. And it's the last I heard, this is a couple of days ago, is that he's he was paralyzed from the neck down whether anything could have been done beforehand I you know I'm not a medical person I don't know but the fact that nobody rushed into the ring to do what medical people do stabilize the head and all that stuff see if he's breathing and so forth was was criminal it's beyond criminal and this was done again off off the main TV show. It was not mentioned on the TV broadcast of the, the main top division on NHK World Japan. They have their English language service. There's been very little bit about it, almost nothing in the Japanese media, certainly nothing that was translated into English, and nothing for a couple of days. And I wrote to a sports journalist friend of mine in Japan to find out what's going on. He doesn't cover sumo, but he didn't hear about it. And this, of course, transcends just sumo. This deals with safety and health of the athletes. And he told me that, in general, safety caution is better organized than sumo in Japan compared to boxing or MMA, and he knows those sports better. So if it's worse in those sports, th- this is just such an absolute disgrace. And these are sports. Yeah, they're businesses, but they're sports. Okay, the guy the guy lost the match. The match is over. Now tend to his health. And I haven't been able to find out anything. There are people that follow these things a lot more closely than I do, and it's been a day or two since there's been anything anywhere mentioning Hibikiru and what his condition is, which is not good, because if he got better and all of that, we probably would have heard about it. And it just brings up the the overall question in sumo, as great of a sport it is. If you watch Japanese sumo, they have the doyo, which is the ring, elevated, 
with a very small area outside the ring. It's like square, but the ring is circular. So a lot of these matches, when they get thrown out, one or sometimes both wrestlers end up falling off the platform, sometimes into the crowd. It's it's absurd what that goes on. Why do you have to have it? falling on you. Why do you have to have it elevated that without any area around it? So right. when you see matches, say in the U.S. in amateur sumo, they will have a ring. But it's usually on like a wrestling mat or a martial arts mat. And there's a little more area around there. So you can't sort of fall off a platform. But you got to make sure there's enough room. I mean, it's in, in all styles of wrestling, you have you have to take into account what happens when, when they go out of bounds. This is something that is utterly unnecessary. And what you saw in this, uh, the, the March Bash show, is that you have uh, two Yokozunas entered into it, and they both ended up pulling out one Kakaru before the tournament started, and he ended up retiring. And the other, Hakaho, who has had a great career, had two matches, which he won, and then he had to pull out with an ankle injury. He said he's coming back in a couple of months. So they ran another tournament without the Yokozunas, which are the the grand champions. So it was more of a free for all to see who would end up who would end up winning. And it was that that's why was, I one of the things I wrote about you, I called it a sumo reset because you sort of have a changing of the guard going on. A lot of wrestlers moving up and out. There were no there were no active yokozunas unless Hakaho comes back. So there's a lot of excitement going on, but I really think it was overshadowed by this terrible injury uh, to this lower-level wrestler, which could happen to anybody. And there, are, a lot of these injuries are unnecessary. It's it's a combat sport. They're going to be injuries. There's there's not punching, but there's a lot of uh, slapping and thrusting, which are forms of strikes, and of course the throws and the pushing out and all that. It's a combat sport. So deal with the health and safety of the athletes. It's not going to take it. It's not going to change the sport. It's not, as you said, you're not going to see two 300-and-something-pound men rolling on top of each other into the crowd or into the people right around the ring. You could really do that. But, again, the Japan Sumo Association runs these events, this super traditional and hidebound, old-fashioned, and they want to do it the same way it's been done for centuries, which is absurd in the 21st century. So this is something which I think the American sumo community is is learning from and can learn from. Plus, when you're talking about amateur sumo, there are weight classes in it. And in addition, when you watch the professional sumo in Japan, they really hit hard when they have the tachi when the match starts. They really slam into each other very hard. You don't have the same power among the amateur wrestlers because they're amateur. There are some that are very good, but maybe if they trained every day for years like these people did in Japan, they could get on that level. But they're also very racist in Japan because, well, not all the wrestlers are Japanese, they have a few wrestlers from, they have a bunch of them from Mongolia who do very well. And they have a couple from Bulgaria and the Republic of Georgia. But they don't have any black wrestlers in there. Because it's just, again, the, the racism in that organization. Whereas in well, Amateur... I mean, if, if you're talking about a wrestling organization in Japan, I can understand there not being any blacks. No, but they bring in wrestlers from around the world. That's my point. Oh, so they're not recruiting black wrestlers, yeah. is what you're saying? You'd have to live in the stable the way they have it. You'd have to do all that type of stuff, but they're not doing that. If they right. could bring in somebody from Bulgaria, why can't they bring in 
a black oh, wrestler. Do they, have any, do they have any white Iowa corn stalkers over there? No, they don't have any Americans. The only Americans they that got a success were Hawaiians a couple of years ago. Musashi Muro and um, Akebono and Kanishiki um, right. going back years ago. I think they're all retired now. Well, we have to keep doing our part to build an anti-racist community, sports community. So we're going to keep that up. We're going to keep that going, Eddie. And, and All right, you, anything else? Well, I'm today? just saying, if you look at who's involved in American sumo today in the U.S. Sumo Federation, again, it's small, and of course it's been impacted by the pandemic. You'll see a much more diverse group of people, uh, whites, blacks, Latinos, Asians, male and female, different weights, different body sizes. A number of LGBTQ people are also involved in it who are openly that. So you have a very different attitude than you have in professional sumo in Japan. So we'll see where that goes. I just want to add a breaking story that really came out in the last couple of days since the state of Georgia uh, passed and signed this uh, this Jim Crow voting law. The MLB All-Star Game is scheduled this year to be held in Atlanta, Georgia. So you're starting to see a lot of talk since this law is now official that Major League Baseball should move the All-Star Game out of Atlanta. And if you remember a few years ago, the NBA was scheduled to have its all-star game in Charlotte, North Carolina, when North Carolina passed all of these anti-trans so-called bathroom bills, if you remember, and the NBA said, uh-uh, and they moved the game out of Charlotte. They eventually got rid of those laws, so then they brought the game back a few years later. Well, it's this year the turn was Atlanta. This is even, This is just so egregious bringing back these these Jim Crow era laws that MLB should start doing this and you're starting to see a bit of discussion mainly from African Americans in baseball. You're starting to see people say let's really consider this. Remember the MLB season starts this coming week on April 1st but you're seeing uh, Tony Clark who's African American who's the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association was interviewed and said, let's start considering this. Dave Roberts, the manager of the, the Dodgers, I'm not a Dodgers fan, but you know, he's obviously did a great job over there. Oh, God. John Carlos Stanton of the Yankees, who will be mainly the DH, who was one of the leaders in the Black Lives Matter protests in baseball. John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Hicks were the two main people on the Yankees that led the team in uh, kneeling and all the the protests that went on last year around uh, George Floyd situation. He said, let's start considering this. There was an article in the Washington Post by African American sports writer Kevin Blackstone that said this. This is just in the last couple of days. So let's see what happens in baseball. Another sport that claims to honor Jackie Robinson and has a Jackie Robinson Day and that all teams retire number 42, which is Jackie Robinson's number and doing all these things. Let's see what they do about this now that this issue has come up. Well, I think I'm going to place my bet right now and say the MLB is going to move their ass that game out of Georgia. They'll move their ass out of Georgia. I, I feel it in my bones. It's going to happen. Pressure's I hope so. On. And I hope they move it to some state because there are other states that apparently are considering similar type legislation. So you don't want to move the game and then, then you know, right. a bunch of racists in, in that state pass right. some similar laws. So I think they have to figure out where to do it. Dodger Stadium. Let's bring the game here to Dodger Stadium. We're good. We we can use the dollars. Yeah, well, 
you remember that all of Major League Baseball is off during the period of the All-Star Game. So all those stadiums, nobody will be playing baseball. Some of these stadiums, they might have other events going on during that time, but there should be plenty of them available that week. Go to Hawaii. They can go to Hawaii. They can go play baseball in Hawaii. Well, I think you'd have to do it in an existing Major League ballpark to set it up. Oh, I guess Hawaii, that's right. Hawaii doesn't have an MLB team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there there are plenty of, there are 29 other, there are 29 other uh, places to start to consider. And even if you, even if you take away a few states that are problematic, you still have an awful lot of uh, places where you could have it. Right, right. But they have to they have to go do it and now this converse, this is just a conversation and uh let's see let's see what happens. But I think the pressure is gonna be on them to uh to move the to move the all star game. And I think it'll be important too because the number of African American players in baseball has shrunk over the years. I think it's like seven or eight percent on the roster. In uh, the World Series last year, on the starting teams between the Dodgers and the Rays, there was exactly one African American player, Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts, of course, is a great player. was was an MVP for the Red Sox and got a, a real long term contract for the Dodgers, and is is on a Hall of Fame track. So if you're a super duper star. Like Monkey Betts, they'll bring you in, but not everybody is, and that's what's one of the things happening in baseball. It's it's a whitening out of the the uh, talent pool, of the fan base, of everything involved in it. As baseball also loses a lot of its popularity. Well, another so, sport I could. You know, I don't. I wouldn't miss baseball if it ever if it died out. That's a sport that I. You yeah, know. I would. It's you know. Remember, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up with it. I grew up with when baseball was in its heyday. In the 1950s, the Yankees would win almost every year, and if they didn't win, the Dodgers, the Giants would win before before they uh, absconded, unfortunately, from the city. And I just I I enjoy the game, even though the game has become less enjoyable. But this this is the direction that Major League Baseball has taken, and it's something that has to really be fought. And they're going to have to be pressured to do something like this because it's again the owners are largely a very uh, conservative white male bunch. There are some exceptions. It's changing a little bit. Uh, you saw LeBron James isn't bought LeBron, into... Is it, yeah, is it LeBron buying into uh, baseball the, organizations? Into the Red Sox. Oh, nice. Of course, you have Magic Johnson as one of the uh, owners of the Dodgers. But those are the exceptions. And those, of course, are the multimillionaire, superstar celebrity athletes not everybody is you know not everybody who are the owners are real well known so let's let's see what let's see what they do but yeah there are plenty of places you could put the all-star game this year instead of Atlanta and Atlanta has a good team they're still probably favorites or one of the favorites to win the National League East. They had uh, Freddie Freeman, the National League MVP, who still looks to be really hot. They have a good team, but it's, it's not a. This is not a, a baseball-only type decision. This is something. It's a political decision, and I think this movement's going to grow. Oh, it's going to grow, especially if one of the uh, players is a, a BLM activists you can bet best believe this shit's gonna grow so anything else you want to cover today eddie oh there's always there's always always stuff i'm gonna i'm encouraging people to subscribe to my patreon page because a lot of the stuff 
that you hear me talk about, they will not put on ESPN, they will not put on the boxing sites, they will not put on the wrestling sites, and I have a, a number of plugs besides from yourself, uh, Charles Farrell, the uh, great boxing writer, has really uh, plugged me. Yeah, he said, I've never write a word without having done his due diligence thoroughly. He doesn't skimp on detail, and he can really write. These things, combined with his vast experience around combat sports, make him an equal in terms of pure combat sports journalism. And then Declan Hill, who is an investigative reporter and a professor, one of the experts on international match-fixing, writes... Uh, Eddie Goldman is the thinking man's or the thinking person's fight journalist. He said, well worth following. And he said, I'm a brilliant guy in interviewer. I'm, wow, like that. So, yes, you are, Eddie. Uh, so I have to ask people for a couple of dollars a month that they're not going to give me. And I've written for all sorts of magazines and websites, and a lot of them have dried up. And the ones that are left want pablum and propaganda and idiocy. Right. So, so well, the, the important thing is we support independent journalism, and that's what you're doing when you are subscribing to the Patreon page. You guys need to go to uh, patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman and support independent journalism because that's where your dollars are going, my friend. Yeah, and you'll see a detailed article on the NCAA uh, wrestling, Division One Wrestling Championships will have 10 years worth of TV ratings on there that have been compiling for many years and show how this was one of the years where it was lowest and ESPN did not put out a press release bragging about how wonderful things were but everybody's streaming they didn't put out anything like that because people are losing interest in it and again that's unfortunate i said a zillion times I love wrestling but not too many other people follow this and really do so baseball has been losing a lot of sports have been losing interest but more the money in sports media is going into American football and basketball this new NFL deal where they doubled the amount of money that they're getting is just going to dry up budgets for everything else the U.S. Olympic trials in wrestling are going to be on the NBC Sports Network, which they're abbreviating now as NBCSN, if anybody knows what that means, a network that NBC has announced they're closing down at the end of the year. And it's going to be on their streaming service, Peacock. What a name for a streaming service. I remember hearing an interview with the, the comedian Seth MacFarlane was talking about it, who has a deal, some type of deal with NBC. And he said, yeah, when they, when they decided to name it uh, Peacock, there weren't any comedians in the room. you know. But that's what they call their streaming service. And it's, it's unclear whether it's on... The, the, Peacock has different tiers. They have a paid tier and a free tier. Are the Olympic trials on the paid tier or the free tier? I don't know. I haven't. I have to, would have to go look it up and investigate it. That's something that should be straight away in the press release, and it wasn't in the press statements that NBC put out or USA Wrestling put out. I'm mean, just basic. How, okay, how are you going to watch this thing? You know, is it pay per view? Is it paid tier? Is it free? Whatever. So. More, right. more well, stupidity. I'm not paying for none of that. I'm not paying for none of it, so it don't matter to me. <laughs> yeah. So, so, if you want to find out this kind of analysis and information, I'm going to do what I can. And right. you don't, you won't find the equivalent elsewhere. So it would be much easier for me if one of these websites had the integrity or intelligence to start putting my stuff up but uh, a lot of them have stopped doing it the editors don't respond and they'd rather put up articles about who farted somewhere or just want to put up garbage infotainment right rewritten just rewritten press releases and 
all right. sorts of other propaganda and everything is great nonsense while these sports go straight to hell. Right. Well, all right, Eddie. It's been a wonderful talking to you, my brother. Thank you for stopping by the war room to chat it up. Yeah, folks can find you on Patreon at slash patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman and on Twitter at no what NHB News. That's no hold hold bar news. And where else, Eddie? Where can they find you? My main blog, which is a lot of these things, eddiegoldman.com. Those are the main things. I mean, I'm on a lot of different social networks that I don't use as much. Facebook, Instagram, even Space Hay, which is a sort of a revival. Space Hay. It was by an 18-year-old in Germany looked around at the old design from MySpace in the mid-2000s, and he fell in love with it, and he created something very similar. Uh, I'm even on that, although most of the people on that are like emo types, and I think you can guess that I'm not an emo type. Not uh, an emo type. All right. All right. Well, everybody, you guys, check him out on eddiegoldman.com. Eddie, I will see you next week in the war room, my brother. Great. Thank you, and keep on telling the truth. Keep up the fight. That's right. That's right. Power to the people. Peace. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more No Holds Barred content, that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.